Thank you for joining us for this sermon podcast from First Baptist Church at the Fields. I'm Dr. Brent Taylor, and we invite you to join us each week in worship. I am praying for you and trusting God will use this message to encourage your faith and strengthen your walk with him. I'm grateful for our worship team that leads us every week. We sang some of my favorite songs today, and so uh, really was meaningful to me, and I hope it was to you as well. You know, there are two types of dreams, you might say. This past week, we remember the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, and while he is well known for many things, his dream stands out. August the 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King shared with the nation his dream. And in that context, we understand dream to mean a vision for the future. But there are also those other kind of dreams, you know, the ones we have every single night. The uh, thinking about Dr. King's speech at the Lincoln Memorial makes me think about That other kind of dream, that kind that you have at night, and it makes me think about April 1865 when Abraham Lincoln shared with his wife Mary and two of his friends about a dream that he had. He said that he dreamed he was walking in the White House and he could hear sobbing. And he made his way through the mourners all the way to the East Room of the White House. There he was met with a sickening surprise. He saw a corpse in funeral garb, there in a casket being guarded by soldiers. He said, in the dream, I asked the question, who is dead in the White House? The president. He was killed by an assassin's bullet. Mary said, that's horrible. I wish that you hadn't never told me. And Abraham Lincoln said to his wife, it's only a dream, Mary. Let us say no more about it and try to forget it. Well, within just a few days, that dream would become a terrible reality. Dreams can speak about our lives. They can speak about the future. But we always have to be careful with dreams. Dr. Sigmund Freud wrote a book called The Interpretation of Dreams. And while there's a lot of crazy stuff in there, he does say that dreams are repressed feelings of fears and worries and anxieties. I know that when I'm anxious in my life, my dreams oftentimes become, uh, well, you might say in HD, you know, in high definition. Many people put a lot of thought into what their dreams mean. They'll have discussions about what does their dream mean. They're trying to figure it out. Is it a sign or is it just the enchiladas I had last night before I went to bed? Pastor David Jeremiah says this. He says, does God still speak through dreams today? If we have dreams that we think are inspiration, chances are it's more likely indigestion. We have the full revelation of God in the Bible, and there's a big period at the end of it. Because we have the Holy Spirit, because we have the scriptures God and God's revelation, we really don't need dreams. And yet at the same time, I would also point out that what we're hearing over and over again in the Muslim world is people who are having dreams about a man in a white robe and then they're told to go and speak to a specific person about that man in the white robe. And they go and speak to that specific person who is a believer, who is a Christian, and they have the opportunity to share the gospel. I hear stories about that all the time as recently as Wednesday of this week. Dreams are interesting, but you have to be careful with dreams. 
Now, dreams are not unusual in the Bible. There are many examples from the Old Testament, Joseph and the Pharaoh. You remember all that story in the book of Genesis? All the way to the New Testament, Joseph and the birth of Jesus. Our story that we're following engages the dream of a king. Not Dr. Martin Luther King, but a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel is there to interpret for him. We continue our series, Manifesting a Faithful Presence. Today we're in Daniel chapter 2. And I invite you to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Now you remember, Daniel had been living in Judah, minding his own business as a teenager, and all of a sudden he is taken captive. And Daniel is living in Babylon in captivity, taken from home and deported there to that new land. And there, God granted Daniel favor. And he becomes an advisor to King Nebuchadnezzar. We talked a little bit about that last week. Well, today's story begins with a crisis in the kingdom. A crisis in the kingdom. Now, chapter 2 is a long chapter, so we're not going to read every verse of it. I'm going to summarize parts of it. But King Nebuchadnezzar, you remember we said last week, is one of the greatest kings of his time of the ancient world. He conquered the known world at that time, and he ruled from his throne in Babylon. Babylon is first spoken of as Nimrod in Genesis chapter 10, verse 10. And it becomes the home for many leaders over the centuries, including people like Hammurabi. You may remember his code from your school days. Well, Babylon faded away for about a thousand years, and then it came back again in what we call the Neo-Babylonian kingdom. And when I say we call it, that's what the historians call it. And it grew under their king, King Nebuchadnezzar. He was a very powerful man. He had some great victories in his life militarily. One of those was a battle against the Assyrians and the Egyptians in 605 BC called the Battle of Carchemish. It's one of the most decisive and important battles in all of human history. We just don't talk about it very much. Assyria was gone forever. The back of Egypt was completely broken and never Egypt has never regained its glory that it once knew. Judah came under Babylonian domination and rule, as we talked about just a few weeks ago. But God had raised up this king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And in verses 1 to 13, Nebuchadnezzar has a troubling dream. So he calls together all the wise men. Now, they're called in your text astrologers or maybe magicians. And these astrologers, magicians, slash wise men were advisors to the king. One person described them as a cross between an astrologer and a lawyer. So I guess you've got Miss Cleo, attorney at law, right here in Daniel 2. The king tells them that they need to tell him what the dream means. But here's the catch. He's not going to tell them what the dream was. Now, the astrologers can't believe it. How can we interpret a dream when we don't even know what the dream is? Nebuchadnezzar probably figured out, he's starting to figure out these guys are charlatans. By the way, let me just stop for a second. That's what astrology and fortune tellers and tarot cards and Ouija boards are all about. They are frauds at best and demonic at worst. And as believers, you ought to stay away from them, stay away from reading your horoscope, and certainly putting any faith into all that garbage. All right, back to the text. Nebuchadnezzar gets so mad, 
He says, you tell me the dream or you will die. Look in verse 10. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. Well, that doesn't sit well with the king. And they can't do what he ordered, so he orders executions of all the wise men in Babylon, which, by the way, includes Daniel and his friends. So we see next Daniel's prayer and praise. Both of them are important. So the man shows up to execute Daniel. Daniel says, hey, buddy, hold your horses here. Let me see the king. He gains entrance to the king. And not only does he gain entrance to the king, but he gains more time from the king. And he immediately goes home to pray. Look in verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So you see what happens there? They are in a crisis. It's a real crisis. I mean, they're, they're talking about being, being killed. It's, it's a real crisis. And so what do they do? They fall on their knees before God, pleading for God to reveal this mystery. Now, obviously, there is an urgency in their prayer. There's no doubt about that. But Daniel knew he needed to go to God. And he trusted the Lord as their lives were on the line. Well, God speaks to Daniel's heart and God reveals the dream to him. Now look at Daniel's response though. He praises God in verse 20 for his eternal wisdom and power. We just sang about that a moment ago, by the way. Praising God for his eternal wisdom and power. He praises God in verse 21 for his governing of nature and of history. And then he praises God at the end of verse 21, verse 22, for his divine revelation. Friends, prayer and praise are the keys to unlocking intimacy with God. And Daniel knew that. He not only prayed to God, but he worshiped, he praised God in that time. And those two things must go together. We'll come back to that in a moment. Well, the dream is explained. And with his answer in hand, Daniel goes to the palace and he stands before what is arguably the most powerful person on the earth and certainly the most powerful person in that region, in that land. Now look in verse 26, if you would. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? 
Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. Now Daniel says something. He says something that we all need to hear. Nebuchadnezzar needed to hear it. But we all need to hear what Daniel says, all right? So this is a great time to kind of tune up your ears. Here's what he says. But there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Man, what a great reminder that is for us. If you underline in your Bible, you ought to underline that in your Bible maybe twice. It's so good. You may be struggling in your heart today. You may be struggling in your life today. You may be struggling in your mental health today, but there is a God in heaven. You may be struggling in your marriage today, but there is a God in heaven. You may be struggling in your finances and making ends meet and paying the bills, but there is a God in heaven. You may be afraid of the future, concerned because of that doctor's report, not sure what the future holds for you, but there is a God in heaven. I don't know what has you concerned. I don't know what keeps you up at night, what weighs you down, but I know that there is a God in heaven who knows you by name, who loves you, who has revealed himself to us. God revealed to Daniel what the king needed to hear. And friends, we need to hear it as well. There is a God in heaven. And don't you forget it. Now look in verse 31 as he begins to describe the dream. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and, ar chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory in your hands. He has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, wherever they live. He has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. Next, the third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. For iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it'll crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of the iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture 
and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. So Daniel has explained the dream and we can be done for the day and everybody can go home because you got it completely, right? You completely understand the dream now. Daniel describes this enormous statue created with different parts and different materials. The head of gold, the breast and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze, the legs of iron, the feet partly of iron and partly of clay. When you start at the top and you work your way down, you see that the elements become less valuable as you work your way down to those feet of clay. But the statue in the dream is destroyed by a stone. And each part of that statue is broken, broken into small pieces, so much it's like the chaff that the wind blows away. Daniel's echoing Psalm 1 right there. Well, then Daniel interprets the dream. That head of gold represents the kingdom of Babylon. He says that in verses 37, 38. Now, Nebuchadnezzar probably liked hearing some of the things that Daniel had to say, because Daniel says, you're the king of kings, lowercase king of kings, by the way. And man, Nebuchadnezzar must have been flattered by that. He goes, I knew that, but to hear you say that, man, that's good to hear. Yet Daniel reminds him, he says, now, sir, God is the one who put you in that place. God is the one who put you in that position of power. And by the way, don't forget that. In an election year, don't forget that, all right? God is in control. He's on the throne every four years. Then Daniel says an inferior kingdom is going to rise. Now we know what that kingdom is. That kingdom is the Medo Persian kingdom. In Semitic languages, the word for silver has the same meaning as the word for money. And the Medo Persian Empire developed a vast taxation system, and they were able to gather through that taxation system hordes of wealth. We'll talk more about them as we get into the prophecy later in Daniel. Well, next is the bronze kingdom of Greece. Beginning in 334 BC, Alexander the Great began to conquer the known world at the time, and his Greek soldiers were known for wearing armor of bronze with bronze greaves on the armor and on, his, on, their, on their legs, on their arms, on their shoulders. And we'll talk more about them when we come to that prophecy. And in verse 40, he speaks of a, of a fourth kingdom. He says it's strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it'll crush and break all the others. He is speaking of the iron legions of Rome. And though they would destroy the previous kingdoms, ultimately they themselves would be divided and would be partly strong and partly brittle. And ultimately, they would end up being a divided and ultimately a conquered empire. But there is another kingdom that Daniel speaks about. Look in verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. Now look at what Daniel says. 
And we've been underlining in our Bible already today. Let's do it again. He says, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Who is this stone that is talked about in verse 45? This rock cut out of the mountain, not by human hands. Well, most of you have been in church long enough, you know. This is prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. The stone on which the builders rejected. Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23. The rock of Israel, Genesis 49, 24. The living stone, 1 Peter 2, 4. The precious cornerstone, 1 Peter 2, 6. The stone that causes people to stumble, Romans 9, 33. The rock from which we drink the living water, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. The rock upon which the church is built, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. That is the stone that is cut out of the mountain. It is the stone that destroys all all powers that fight against the kingdom of God. It is the stone that restores lost humanity to God himself. This stone conquers all kingdoms. His rule will reign forever and ever and ever. This, O oh king, is your dream and what it means. Well, the king responds, as you can imagine. The king responds after hearing all of these matters. Remember, nobody else could tell him what the dream was. Daniel tells him what the dream was and what it means. All of these matters that for Daniel and for Nebuchadnezzar are future history. It's prophecy. Future history with he's seeing in the dream. For us, it is past history. Everything that Daniel describes took place after the time of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, but before us, it's happened all in between here. And the king is overwhelmed by what he hears. Look in verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished him with many gifts he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. The most powerful king in the world bows down to a captive, Daniel. He pays him honor. He gives him the respect that he deserves. He offers incense. This king who thinks himself a god, hears who the real God is and says, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. His dream has been interpreted and God revealed the mystery to Nebuchadnezzar through Daniel. And Daniel gets a promotion, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get promotions and gifts and raises and Tiff's treats, hot cookies delivered to their door. I mean, it's fantastic for Daniel and his friends. All right. So what do we learn from this? I mean, what do we take away from a guy who has 
a really strange dream. By the way, the dream comes back later. All right, we'll we'll talk more about that in the in the prophecy because it's going to all kind of tie up together. But what do we what do we do with this? I mean, for some, it sounds like ancient history. <laughs> well, it is, and yet, man, it just seems so alive. So, what do we do with that? Who cares about a dream? Well, let me give you some, some things that I think we can learn from Daniel and from this story. Here's the first one. In the midst of crisis and uncertainty, prayer is a stabilizing force. I mean, when this story begins, there is crisis in the king. And you've probably read enough history to know that when there's crisis in the king, there's crisis in the kingdom. A more modern telling of that would be, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You know what I'm saying? Well, the story begins with a kingdom that is in crisis. The king is not happy. And that translates down to everybody else being in a crisis, especially those wise men. They are in a crisis. And when Daniel faces that crisis... He calls on his friends to do what they know to do. To call upon the righteous, wise, sovereign king. Now for Daniel, that was a familiar pattern. He's a man that is committed to prayer. We're going to see that. We'll see that carried on in his life. He was committed to prayer. And for some of you, that may be your pattern as well. You may be a person that's just committed to prayer, and that's just what you do. For other people, oftentimes a crisis, a crisis situation, draws them back to God. And for some of you today, you may be in a crisis, and maybe that crisis has, has drawn you back to God. Whether you're a person who prays all the time, kind of like Daniel did, or you're a person that's kind of trying to get things right in your life and get things back because you've had a, you've had a situation, you've had a crisis, and you just realize you need to get back. Wherever you are on that whole spectrum, when you face those crises, remember, there is a God in heaven. I don't know what your crisis is, but I know that there is a God in heaven heaven. Here's the second thing we can learn. Let your prayers turn to praise. Let your prayers turn to praise. Often we pray and then we're done. We move on. But Daniel prayed. He heard the Lord and he praised him. And I, I, I really think that's important for us to see. Understand those verses there that you see in chapter two, verses, verses 20 to 23, those are not just accidentally in our text. They are there. This is God's word. We should note this. We should be people who not only ask God for things. We should be a people who praise God for who he is. And no matter if the crisis has been answered in our life or we're going through the crisis, praise is so important to enhance our prayer life, and to draw us closer to the Lord. And if you don't know what to say, 
Because sometimes we don't know what to say. If you don't know what to say, then just open up to Daniel chapter 2. And just praise the Lord with these verses that are here. Because these verses that were written by Daniel 600, 500 and something years before the time of Christ. Those words are just as true in 2024. Declare that he is in, that he is king. Declare that he is in control, that he gives wisdom, that he responds to his children. Let those prayer requests be accompanied by praise. Amen. That offers us the perspective that we need. It reminds us as we pray who he is. Who is the one we are calling out to? It is the one who gives wisdom to the wise and reveals the deep and hidden things. He is the one who is greater than our crisis. Next, we need to see how man's kingdoms are fragile, but God's kingdom is firm. This story of history and the, the history that follows after Daniel, what actually takes place, we'll, we'll get into more in the coming weeks. This story and the history shows that empires come and go. Empires come and go. But the kingdom of God and the word of God stands forever. When you serve his kingdom, when you stand on the word of God, not on the systems of the world, but you build your life on the word of God, God is going to raise up his servants. God is going to bless that kind of life because the stone of God's kingdom is indestructible, supernatural, overwhelming and eternal. And so you can build your life on God's firm foundation of his kingdom. And then we need to realize that we live for an eternal kingdom. We live for an eternal kingdom. It's so easy to lose sight of that in our world. We live what I think is in the greatest country in the world. I love our land. I love the country that we live in. I love the United States of America. And it's easy for us to think that the United States of America is going to be here forever and ever and ever. I would just remind us that that is exactly what the Assyrians thought, the Babylonians thought, the Persians thought, the Greeks thought, the Romans for a thousand years thought that. Our country's not going to last forever. But we are citizens of an eternal kingdom that will last forever. When God has created a new heaven and a new earth, his kingdom will reign forever and ever and ever without end. So we are citizens. Most of us in this room, citizens of this country. But we are all, as believers, citizens of an eternal kingdom. That will not give way. And we serve a king who sits on the throne today just like he has done forever in the past and will do forever in the future. For 2,000 years we have lived in the last days. And one day all of this will be gone but the kingdom of God will stand forever. So we invest our lives in that which is eternal. But let me say this. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you are not sure if you do, then hear his words when he says that he is standing at the door and knocking. 
Now he's knocking on the door in that passage. He's knocking on the door of a church. Wanting to come into the church. We see that in Revelation. But I also think that the Lord knocks on people's hearts. And he will come in to eat with you. That is to be in a relationship with you. This story reminds us that God's eternal kingdom will not give way. And God has a purpose. He has a purpose and a plan for these kingdoms that we read about. He has a purpose and a plan for the world that we live in today. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Now our king is coming again. We sang earlier, he's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. So let's as believers do all that we can to commit ourselves more deeply than ever to build our lives on the foundation of the word of God, to build our lives on a truth that never changes no matter what the world does. And may we build our lives that we might be a part of advancing the kingdom of God, both now and forevermore. I want to ask you to bow your head, if you would, right there where you are. Today we have talked about a kingdom that never ends. But it is a kingdom that is built on the love of God. And friends, God loves us so much that in our brokenness and sin and in our going our own way, our own path, God reached down to a world that could never reach up to him. Religions are never good enough. God reached down and sent his son in love, in grace, in mercy to die on a cross for you and me. And the Bible says that if we will confess our sin, that is admit to God, hey, I'm a sinner. And we will place our faith and trust in Christ to say, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me to pay the price for my sin. If we will receive that forgiveness that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ, we will become a child of God. If you've come here today and never received Christ as Savior, I want to invite you to make that decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a closing song. And after we do, right down the hall of our commons is our connect room, that glassed-in room, where ministers are waiting to talk to you about receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't be afraid to go in there. They're great people. And they want to talk to you about the greatest news you've ever heard, the good news that is found in Jesus Christ. So if you've never received him as Savior, I want to invite you today to go there. Just like people do every week, they go to that connect room. I want to invite you to go there and let the Lord do a great work in your life. If you have another decision to make, if you want to join our church, we want to invite you to do that. If you want to be baptized, we want to encourage you to do that. If you need prayer, you need to talk to somebody, you need prayer in your life, or maybe you are here today and you're feeling God's call on your life into ministry, whatever it may be. I want you to know that there are people in that connect room waiting there right now to help you join the church or to schedule baptism for you or to pray with you, to talk with you about what's on your heart and mind. So don't be embarrassed about going there. In fact, it's a great place to go. In fact, it's a room where God does miracles in our church. And if you need a miracle in your life, I encourage you to go to that connect room and see what God can do in your heart and through your life today.
such a joy to serve a king who is eternal, a king who loves us. There's not one of us in here that deserves the love of God, and yet God, who is rich in mercy, loves us first, and he forgives us and shows his grace to us. So we should live our lives for him and experience all that God has for each and every one of us. Would you quietly stand where you are as I lead us in our closing prayer? Thank you, Father, for these moments. Thank you for the book of Daniel that teaches us, that teaches us about you, about who you are. The story today is not about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. The story is about you, O oh God. And we thank you for being a God who has revealed himself to us. But we thank you for the life of Daniel and the role model that he is to each one of us. Father, we recognize we're not going back. This world continues to move the direction that it's going. So Lord, help us. Help us to be faithful, to manifest that faithful presence in the world around us, to represent Christ well in the culture, that we might be the people you want us to be. Father, give people faith and courage to make the decision you have placed on their heart this day. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.